This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman, and joining me right now is Jan Janais, Max Cohen, and Mike Gregg. This is our post-match show of Fulham's 2-1 victory against Swansea City Friday night. We have a lot to talk about in regards to this match. And guys, thank you so much for joining me. I thought a good way, as I've been doing lately, is just to share the comments from head coach Scott Parker after the match, and I thought that would be a good Jumping off point to get us going here. So this is what Scott Parker shared after Fulham's victory. This is on the Fulham website. Quote, I felt they started the game strongly, and we had the keeper to thank for the first 10 minutes when he pulled off a couple of really good saves, and they put us under pressure. From that early scare, I felt as though we dominated the game, we controlled the game, and got the ball in the right areas and got our noses in front. I thought we were deserving of that 2-0 lead at halftime. And then the second half comes, and I thought we were the only side that looked like they were going to score. We missed a couple really big, big chances, and then the goal comes from nothing for Swansea. And at that moment, we decided we needed to see the game out. We could have turned the game into a bit of a basketball match and tried to hit them on the counter, but instead we decided to see the game out, which we did, and did very well, which pleases me a lot, really, unquote. Okay, Mike, I want to go to you first. There's a lot in there. Here's my question for you. Let's talk about Scott Parker's reaction after the match. Do you feel that Fulham were deserving of the 2-0 lead at the end of the first half? That's what he said. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, we certainly took our chances. I mean, they, Swansea had the better chances as he said, for the first 15, 20 minutes. And, uh, and we, like a lot of the games recently, we've started, I don't know if slowly is the right word, but we've allowed teams to uh, have the advantage early on. And we, and we rode that and uh, two very well taken goals. And um, if you look at 
sort of timeline of the of the games through the various sort of sites to give you all those stats you know the sort of expected goal stuff yep um it was pretty it was level pegging at half time but uh, you know we took the chances um we are away at a team uh, you know that's going to be challenging for promotion so so we did really really well there for that first half but um yeah i mean i think we were all i wouldn't say it was against the run of play but you know we were happy to go in 2-0 but uh, you know Rodit did make some saves and uh, we were under uh, quite a bit of pressure but um, no I think you know in the end you've got to take your chances so yeah we did deserve it, deserve that half-time lead. See I agree the way that you put it we took our chances and they didn't and that to me is why we deserve the 2-0 lead that's very interesting you put it that way Mike. Giannis over to you I want to get your thoughts on what Mike shared what I shared and also what Scott Parker shared about the 2-0 halftime lead. Again, these are comments that came from the head coach presser after the match. Well, was, you know, opportunism related. I thought Swansea got off to a quick start. You could see, not just at the beginning of the game, you could see that they're, they're a pretty good side. And, uh, they're, and they're an odd one because they play very well away from home. Their record's brilliant. But I don't, and they're unbeaten away from home. And yet at home, um, they've, had some, they've had some challenges. I thought, um, though, I mean, at the end of the day, we, we talk about um, opportunities and possession and what have you, but at the end of the day, it's the number of goals you score. And Mitra's taken both goals very well, and um, it's, uh, you know, Swansea played pretty well in that first 20 minutes, and maybe we'll feel a little aggrieved that we're two down. But having said that, you know, Rodex keeping stood strong at the beginning, and uh, um, we picked up momentum and they managed to get the two goals and I, I didn't really think they were going to um, I didn't think they were going to come back and draw them although I, I think that uh, I think they are a good side and I wouldn't be surprised if Swansea are you know, pushing around the uh, playoff spots coming in the season I totally agree with that I, I, I think they have the talent to be in the top six and uh, pushing like Fulham I think are going to be pushing so I think this is an impressive win. Max, over to you. You and I talked about that, that we came to this agreement that this is an impressive win. But what are your thoughts about the comments from Scott Park and what we're talking about here? Well, he's absolutely right about Rodak. Without Rodak, this game's done dusted within the first you know quarter of an hour, and we're looking at a way defeat. So I think it's very important to recognize how well he played because he's quickly transformed into the, the keeper a lot of people thought he'd be and the keeper we need right now because the defense – at the moment, is giving up quite a few shots, and we were playing the best team in the league. You're going to give a lot of shots, and Rodak was equal to almost all of them. So fair credit to him. Without him, it's a different match. Um, and yeah, the best teams weather out storms. We didn't do that in the Premier League. That's probably one of our worst attributes in top flight. But both in this season and 2017-18, that's what I think more than anything defined us, is that when we have pressure, we held firm and didn't concede. Um, so that's the biggest takeaway I, ha- I have from that first half is that even when teams are knocking on the door, we can shut them out and go and hit them on the, on the other side. Okay, excellent. Mike, back to you. This is something that Max and I have been talking about, and it's been playing itself out lately at the end of matches. Based on what I read to you, it sounds like Scott Parker, after Swansea City scored, decided that he was going to change how Fulham played the formation. We've been seeing this. It makes me very nervous, Mike. Now this is basically his go-to formation to see matches out. 
What are your thoughts about what he shared there, talking about basically the end of the match, and also how do you feel when he changes the formation? Um, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm tweeting almost every game, and I now that uh, <laughs> I can see it coming. I can see it coming. Um, I, right. I, I love I love three centre backs and five, you know, two wing backs, five five at the back, whatever way, whatever you want to call it. Right. But I absolutely hate the way we're playing. <laughs> I really, really do. I mean, it's it's giving it a bad reputation entirely. <laughs> and the the worst, I think, one of the worst things you can do as a coach is actually become predictable. And yeah. he has he has become predictable in that. And yes, okay, against Derby, we went and got a third goal, but we basically it's almost like if he's a goal ahead or even two goals ahead, that he gets itchy. Feet and like with 20 minutes to go, yeah, I'm going to change it. We're going to go to, we're going to change it. We're going to put three centre backs, two wing backs, whoever they would be. But the fact is, we we didn't create a chance. I don't think we've well, got a chance on target no. in the last half hour of the game. And there's other games as well where he shut. He, the intention is obviously to shut up or be shut up shop and be a bit sure. tight. But, but what we're doing is. It almost feels to me, and uh, I can see it as well, where I sit uh, at Craven Cottage is probably about 30 yards out, if you like, at the Putney end. So we tend to be kicking against the Hammersmith end, second half. And as soon as he makes those kind of subs, we drop back 15, 20 yards almost. And so the, the centre-backs end up being further to my left, or almost on the 18-yard line. And we're just inviting teams to come to come at us. And um, I, I, I don't know, I don't know whether it's because he just leaves Mitrovic up up top on his own too much, and you end up, it almost ends up being five four one. Right. Um, depend, and depending on if he brings McDonald in, you, who, you, you know, you end, it's almost like six at the back sometimes. But so I can understand what he's doing and. But I just don't like the execution of it. Um, yeah, I mean, we saw it. I can't. I can't remember who the opposition was. But um, when he changed it to three at the back, but he had Cavera and uh, Knockhart as the wing backs, and we just, you know, that last twenty minutes, thirty minutes of that game at home, we just absolutely ripped everyone apart. But I remember that when game. he goes, yeah, when he when he goes back the other way, and, and a bit too defensive, we're just inviting people on and. You're in there sitting on the edge of your seat, you know, biting your fingernails, hoping they don't get a chance because we are just defending deeper and deeper and deeper. And uh, again, Swansea had good chances in that last 15, 20 minutes. They sure which, did. You know, you know which, which uh, could have leveled the game for them. And uh, yeah, so I don't know. I, I am worried that he is becoming repetitive and it is his go-to uh, because other teams will realise that as well. That's right. Uh, very quickly, and then you might see them making subs to take advantage of that as well, um, because you could almost leave, they could almost leave free at the back, because Mitrovic on his own up top um, is so isolated, he needs the runners near him, um, and to not give him another chance in the last half hour of the game is disappointing, but it was job done, wasn't it? He saw the game out, so, you know, he can turn around, and other people can turn around and say, but I think in the long run, I'm not sure it's a winning winning tactic, to be honest. 
makes me very nervous, Mike. It's funny because I've given this a lot of thought, and it is becoming predictable. This is his go-to formation, and it, again, limits you to what you're going to do moving forward. And uh, I, you know, I like, uh, I guess you could say, an aggressive approach. This is, again, just very defensive approach, and uh, I think it's going to bite them at some point. It hasn't yet, and in a way, I, I can see why it's satisfying to him. But uh, it is just extremely defensive, and uh, I think it just holds us all just worrying that, uh, you know, holding on for dear life kind of thing, and and it keeps happening over and over again. But they see the match out, so he can point to that. Giannis, I want to go to you. I'm going to give you an analogy about this whole thing, and I want your thoughts. This is a different sport, but I think you're going to understand what I'm saying. This is like in the NFL when you play prevent defense and the old adage is when you play prevent defense, it actually prevents you from winning because you're playing so conservatively. You're just having to play in front of you. That to me is what's going here in football with Scott Parker. Again, just just trying to be extremely defensive, but I just think it causes a lot of uh, uncertainty isn't the right word. It just makes for a lot of nervous fans, but as the players, I just wonder, you know, again, they are, as Mike said, they are basically just getting father-father back and they're just inviting the teams on. I want to get your view on this. Well, yeah, it might might be part of Scotty's evolution that he gets a little nervous in tight games and he decides he's he's not going to resort to the best form of attack that he's going to be defence. And that's his comfort level. I'd hate to think that the squad aren't, you know, they're not, you know, you know that they've not been kept. A, they're not abreast of the fact that that's his philosophy anyway. But it does. It, Mike's right. It does get a little bit nervy. But I mean, the flip cycle was always be that, that Scotty trusts that if he plays our formation, we can hold out games. Um, we've got some interesting games coming up where that may be called into question. Bristol City um, is going to be a difficult game. We've got, we've got a history against them in recent years, and not yes. necessarily brilliant. Preston away on a Tuesday night. There's a long journey northwest, and you know it's going to be cold and wet up there. It usually is, um, and so uh, you know we've got some we've got some challenges coming up. And personally, I, if you go two goals up, you want to go get the third and exactly job. Yeah, um, but he seems to think uh, Scotty seems to think he's you know employing the three centre backs is going to hold. Um, so far, he's you know he's not um, he's not come a cropper and. We see, you know, it is good that in the sense that we can play that formation. And right now, he has enough faith in Rodak to say, well, if anything goes remotely south, I've got a keeper there I can trust. And maybe that's part of the reason he does what he's doing, what he's doing. He trusts the keeper, which is a huge thing because, yeah. he's, you know, if you've got your keeper, and I think he, I think he knows now who his keeper is. Um, he can do it, but personally, I wouldn't do it. Um, but he. Um, he just feels he, he can be conservative and play it that way. But uh, against a team like um, West Brom, it might be as good an example as any. West Brom would it could eat that up for breakfast um, because they've got attacking threats from all over the, the park. But uh, yeah, it is a little bit the retreat defense. It's um, it's fight, it's flight, not fight, and right. that can have its connotations. Okay, very good. Max, you and I have already talked about it. I'm curious your view now, and uh, feel free to share what what the guys have talked about because 
this makes me nervous. I know it already makes you nervous. What are your thoughts about what the guy shared about the Scott Parker comments about how he's ending matches and changing the formation? Uh, yeah, I mean, he said he didn't want to play like uh, – he used the American football analogy. He used yeah. the basketball analogy, which I, which I thought was kind of funny, where both teams essentially attack right. each, each end of the court back and forth. <laughs> I think that's a little too simplistic. I, I think Sky knows better. I think there definitely is a mid, middle ground here, but the reasonable between you know, making us all nervous and, as Mike said, dropping back noticeably 10 to 15 yards and going gung-ho and trying to counterattack and throw numbers forward. I don't see why necessarily we have to change the formation towards the end of the matches if the formation that we had saw us through i think it's can probably follow that you know we can see that formation out and win them and win the match with the same type of uh style but i think there's always the the manager's tendency to be overly cautious to protect what you have and i can't argue with that as it's gotten us results it might make us nervy but until we necessarily concede a goal from dropping too deep i i can't really object to it okay but as Mike said, and then Giannis just brought up, the opponent's coming up, and I'll throw Leeds United in there as well. I think there's the potential for it to really bite us in the ass. That's assuming we're, we're leading them. We're leading them into the final stages of the match. We could be pushing forward, trying to get a winner. You know, So I, I, I just think it might be different, but it's a good point. We're going to be playing better sides, and they might unlock this type of, type of tactic. Okay, excellent. All right, guys, let's talk about the starting 11 and the 18 overall. Mr. Greg, I will get your thoughts to start off. I'm just going to share this. And, uh, again, I I mentioned this in the uh, full-time show. Fulmar, a little shorthanded in the midfield right now. I, and uh, I understand why this player played. But, um, Mike, I guess you could say I was a little nervous when I saw the starting 11 and Josh Anoma was included. And uh, I know he was involved in one of the goals, but uh, I just I'm a little concerned about his involvement right now. I know he needs to play. What are your thoughts about this starting 11 and the 18 overall and the inclusion of Anoma? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, when I saw the lineup, a couple of things. I mean, I was surprised Kamara was starting after yeah. seeing him carry down the uh, tunnel the other day, but it was good to see him back. Um, or, or starting again, uh, but I, I would I would have gone with McDonald personally. Uh, but uh, as we've seen, uh, Anomai's Parker and Wells obviously see something in him, and uh, you know he he started one game previously, but obviously was substituted after Rodek got sent off, and he's come on and sub a few times. Um, it's been an interesting one on a couple of uh, well certainly on Twitter and on one of the forums. There's been much discussion about him and, you know, what's he offering or, you know, what's his skill set? Is he any good, isn't he? I mean, it's difficult to make a call and you don't really want to, you know, write a player off or say, you can do it both ways, can't you? Someone comes sure. in that has two great games and he's a world beater and then another one comes in and, you know, he's league two. But, I mean, the jury's out for me. I mean, I, I'm... I've not seen any. Usually, when you when you watch a player, even if it's just fleetingly, you see what they have to offer. Right. And I'm I'm struggling with him. You know, if we look back, if we take Kamara for example, who, you know, suddenly a lot of fans have, can see what he offers. But two years ago, when he came on, you could see he had pace, he had strength. Yes, he was raw, but there was some, for me there was always something there. Right. 
for a Noma, I'm, I'm really struggling. And he's a big bloke, and you can watch some highlights of goals he scored. I'm not seeing that. I'm not seeing what he's offering. And uh, he played that sort of advanced role in midfield, but okay, he was involved in a goal. But let's be honest, you know, it was a miss hit. Um, he made one really good uh, block uh, in our in our half, or in, interception of a pass to. Which was good, and he, but some of his passing was pretty poor, and maybe he's just struggling with the way we're playing. I don't know, but I just, you know, I'm just not seeing it. And uh, I suppose I'm always going to be sort of a bit biased towards players who have come through the ranks, and you know, and you've got O'Reilly, you've got Delator there, um, even Cabano. I'm not his greatest fan, but you know, he offers things, but. Yeah, I know. I'm just—he's a bit of a enigma for me at the moment. Um, he comes with a reputation for those two to like him, and uh, they've obviously trained room at Tottenham and uh, see what he can do. But uh, for me, not done it yet. And the rest of the team sort of yeah. picking itself at the moment. Yeah, pretty much. And and the interesting one is Johansson Kearney uh, playing deep, so they're. They're doubling up because whereas before it's been Arthur on his own, Reed on his own. Um, and it's good to see Kearney be facing forward and not receiving the ball with his back to the goal. And we're seeing him do a lot more damage now. Okay. Mike, I'm curious your view. I haven't talked to you in a bit because we've been talking about the midfield, Max and I, and the injuries that they've been dealing with. Even though Fulham are winning and, uh, and this is all great, but I think they're going to get a boost when Harry Arthur returns. What are your thoughts about the loss of him? Do you think that's affected them? Um, well, no, <laughs> quite frankly. Um, <laughs> I like Arthur, and uh, you know, but I think he's a bit of a loose cannon a few times. And I mean, the fact is, we've won was it um, five out of five out of seven games since he since he last made an appearance. This is true. So, are we missing him? You'd have to sort of say, no, we're not. Um, and I thought Reed was just just beginning to find his uh, place in the team. He's obviously got injured, unfortunately. Um, but it just there is strength in depth there. You know, you've got McDonald coming yes. on. You've got Arthur and Reed, or, or both Reeds. Uh, I mean, the surprise for me is Cordova uh, um, Reed being able to play in midfield and yeah. attack in that attacking position. You know, when I saw him earlier in the year come on a sub as one of those three midfielders I was always a bit mm, a bit lightweight for me but uh, but no he's done he, he did very well um, you know recently when he's played in that position so I'm not overly concerned you know with Arthur okay. injured yes get back get fit give us a stronger squad um, but we're not missing him at the moment okay excellent Mr. Janaeus over to you thoughts on what Mike and I are talking about with a starting 11, the 18-year-old overall, and uh, just give me your view on, on uh, the uh, situation we've been talking about. Uh, I think the moment's terrible. But I, I just, I, I don't, I, I don't see anything there. And I think if you want to sum up, sum him up, it's, it's that second goal. The ball's come across. Yeah. And it's not like it's bobbled. He's completely missed it. Luckily, Mitro shown that you know the class and composure to put it away. Um, and it's it, it does annoy me that players like O'Reilly you know, and Dilator are sitting on the bench. You know, homegrown players, but we can't start them. 
Mike's right. The, the rest of the eleven pick themselves. But Anoma, no, I'm not. No, I know we, that we've got issues in terms of injuries and what have you. But Kevin McDonald would have been a more viable option, I think. You know, he's uh, he's disciplined. He's not the quickest. Doesn't need to be. Um, positional sense is good, and um, you know, and instead he's put Anoma in there. I'm still waiting for him to, to prove to me that he's a player who should even be in the 18, let alone starting 11. And I've seen little evidence to suggest he should be. Okay, excellent. Max, over to you. We've already talked about this on full time a little bit. Your thoughts on the starting 11 in the 18 overall? We're obviously focusing on Josh and Oma. I brought that up in full time. What are your thoughts about what I shared and what the guy shared? Well, for Noma, I think, you know, Mike said it, I think best is that. Parker and uh, his assistant, um, Matt Wall, obviously have a massive amount of faith in him. And it's not as if they've bought this player blind. They worked with him in the Tottenham new setup and know him well. So that gives me a little bit of faith that it's not going to be a complete failure because they obviously have placed a lot of faith in him. You know, starting him, obviously swapping him from Sessignon. But you're right, it hasn't come to fruition yet at all. hasn't shown much in his appearances. The thing for me is he seems to give away possession so easily. And that's the last thing you want from a central midfielder. You want to keep possession, facilitate play, uh, link up, interchange. But he just seems to give it away at every opportunity. That's something that needs to be addressed. And, you know, he's still young. I'm not going to write him off completely, but it has not been encouraging the first couple months. And the other thing I'd say about the starting 11 is, how about Abubakar Kamara? Yes. If you had told anyone he would start three matches in a row and is suddenly one of our best attacking options, they would have told you, you know, you're crazy back in August. But right now, I think it's a no-brainer to play him ahead of Knockart. I think he's a much better option than Knockart, to be completely honest. Just look at the end product. Just look at the danger they create when they're on the pitch. I think Knockart has to accept that he's going to be a bench player from now on. It's very interesting. Yeah, let's back over to you because we've talked about Abubakar Kamara, and uh, obviously we don't need to rehash what happened last season. But um, what are your thoughts about what's been going on with him? He's, he's, well, you have, have to bide his time um, with what, obviously what a, you know happened in suspension and being sent out to Turkey in exile. Um, and you're not obviously you're not going to start the season. You've got Mitro and, and, and Knockout and Carriero. But he did, um, you know what he did. He did a good job coming in. He, he, he against QPR. He, he worked hard. Um, I thought he worked hard against Derby County. He did it again. Led the line. Well, he's, he looks. It looks like his his first touch has improved. His uh, position, his his sense of moving it in the pockets of space has improved. His passing is a little better. Um, he's uh, set up the first goal and uh, he's playing with some confidence. He's got a, he's got a point to prove, um, and uh, and and this is good. And if he's you know playing in this sort of vein, it's good news because. I still don't think if you look at our attacking options, I still don't think we're that deep. You know, and Knockout is flattered to deceive. Cover year has played very well in spots. Mitra's done his thing, and we know what he's going to do. But he really needed somebody else to, to, to step in. And, you know, obviously with um, Aite gone, you really got Cabana on the bench attacking-wise, and you need someone to step up because we're going to get more injuries and not necessarily in the midfield. So he's done well, but you've got to give him credit. He's done well. Yeah, and he's won back the hearts of fans, and he's got to keep doing that now, and not let it. You know, it's a team game; he can't let it go to his head. And if he keeps playing the way he does, 
it's great because it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a distraction to the mayhem that Mitro is causing up the front. And right now, Mitro is unstoppable. It's not. Yes. No one can get close. Okay, excellent. All right, coming up, we are going to talk about the first half and then, of course, the second half. And we'll finish up by talking about man of the match. We have some very interesting topics coming up in the second half of Cottage Talk. Okay, guys, let's get into talking about the first half, and I'll stop at some key moments, and I just want to get your views on it. And as we talked about, and obviously Scott Parker mentioned this in his head coach presser, that Swansea City came out strong and had a great opportunity early on. Mike, I want to go right there. I want to get your view of this because Merrick Rodak is my man of the match. I'm just going to say that right now. We'll we'll talk about man of the match in a little bit, and I think – what happened early just epitomized. It wasn't just these two saves early on, but what were your thoughts with how well Swansea City came out and then Rodak steps up? That first shot was just an incredible save. Your thoughts on, on the beginning stages and Merrick Rodak making a difference? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's um, but it's, it's the way we're starting. I mean, again, if you look at those kind of timelines from like the last four games, um, apart from Derby maybe, uh, you know we're we're conceding possession and we're allowing shots shots on target at us and Rodek has you know stepped in uh, done the business and he's 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 looking a very confident keeper he's uh, I think one issue we have with keepers at, at Fulham is coming to command your your area that's probably agree with that but as a as a stopper um, and and somebody's making saves and can play with his feet. He is he is already looking a, a step above Bettinelli, uh, I believe, and uh, you know he he has to be sharp. He has to be making those saves because. Uh, and for me, I, I agree. I, he is the man in the match. Um, you know, Mitrovic gets the glory, but uh, you know, um, Rodic does the uh, does the dirty work at the other end of the pitch by. Uh, by stopping them taking the lead, and uh, he kept us in the game. So, yeah, totally uh, on it from the beginning, but that's what you have to be at, at Fulham. And you see them in, in the pre-game. They're doing a lot of drills with the keepers um, on the floor, close passing, that type of thing, so that they're confident with their feet. And, and then, obviously, you know, the rest of it sort of comes from that. That's just you know, the confidence in the team. So I think um, we're seeing a keeper that the defence has faith in fully. Uh, we've seen a couple over the last few years with Button and that where the defence lost complete faith in this guys. But I think Rodek's got something special about him. Okay, excellent, Mike. And I've seen that as well. I'm glad that you talked about the confidence amongst the defence because uh, they really work together. And uh, I think you are seeing that with Rodek. That's an excellent point. Okay. Let's move on. And, Mr. Janais, I'm going to go to you in a second. We also have to mention that Byers, who was very lively in this match, actually hit the post in the yeah. 17th minute. But I want to give you the honors, my friend, of talking about the first goal from Fulham from Mitro, who's obviously on fire. Take us through the um, goal that puts Fulham in the lead. Your thoughts on the goal from Mitrovic, actually, that started off with a, a shot from Abubakar Kamar. Yeah, and I know that in this day and age, people talk about assists. I still think that's a hockey thing. In the old days, we never talked about, you know, goals and assists. But now that we do, you know, Boo Boo's 
cracked one in. And uh, Johnny on the spot, Mitro, again, timing his runs. It, 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 he, it's the thing, you know, I, I spent, uh, I was watching the video the weekend, and, I, and for a lot of it, I was just focused on Mitro's movements. And, you know, he's not the biggest, and he's not the strongest, and he's certainly not the quickest. And he hasn't got the best first touch I've ever seen. But his, his soccer, his smarts are, are, are just outstanding. And he's done it at the international stage with, with Serbia. And that's what makes a really, really good strike. If you watch someone like, um, you know, I'm thinking of other strikers that would have scored a goal like that. Jamie Vardy. Yeah. The other one I can think of who, you know, his, his positional sense is just off the charts. There's a reason he's leading in the Premier League goal scoring at the moment. And, to be, you know, Booby's got a hard shot, and I think it's a heavy shot. Often there's not a lot of spin there. And um, Mitra's gone in and, uh, and nodded it in. And, um, you know, at, at that point, when we scored, I thought, well, this is a little against the run of play. But again, it shows, you know, the ability of the counter-attack and, and our ability to put away the chances. And at the end of the day, away from home, against a team who are nervous at home, just you know, can't... And Steve Cooper, the manager, said they just can't seem to get things going. Right. Um, Mitra's gone and done it again, and, and right now he's scoring goals for fun. And I think the only striker in Europe right now who's as um, potent as he is is probably Robert Lewandowski. And right now he's like, that lad's on a different, um, you know, he's, he's in a different planet. But uh, it was a good goal, and it sort of gave us the momentum to push forward and try and get the second. Okay, excellent there. And Max, back over to you. Let's now push forward and talk about the second goal. We've already did this on full-time, but I just want to get your view again. Before I mention that, I also have to talk about another save by Marek Rodak on Byers in the 35th minute, but everything leads to the second goal from Mitro in the 42nd minute. We've already talked about Josh and Oma's role a little bit in this, accidental it looked like, but it ends up with Mitro. And he puts it in the back of the net, and Fulham have a commanding 2-0 lead, which they took in the half. Let's talk about the second goal from Fulham. Yeah, but we also have to give credit um, to Anoma for actually starting that with interception, right? He breaks up play. That leads um, to Cavalera's run. And although he fluffs his lines, he's the one who started that off uh, with uh, breaking up play high up the pitch. So credit to him. And and I think I was talking to someone about this, and they said, you know, Mitra scored two tap-ins. And I say, look at that second goal. You cannot tell me that's what's happened. I know a lot of strikers might miss that. I think mean, he takes a great first touch. And that finish, that's a really, really top-class finish, I think, to smash that uh, high into the top corner. The composure, the placement there, and the power, that is a really nicely worked goal. And again, I said, it's a perfect time to score a goal. That kind of 40th-minute area right before halftime is just a killer. So credit to Micho for that. Credit to Anoma for starting it off. And I think it was a really nice way of showing how when Fulham get into the counterattacking positions, they can score a goal in a matter of seconds. Absolutely. Very good point there, Max. And Fulham go into the half up 2-0. And uh, it's a commanding lead, but I'm always nervous at 2-0 because it's just a goal that can change the match around. And let's now talk about the second half. And, Mike, I'm going to go back to you. And I'm going to give you two incidents together because I think they go hand-in-hand with how the match played out after it. So let's talk about an opportunity from Fulham in the 57th minute. You have a shot by Cavallaro. 
And it's a good save. It's probably a pretty comfortable save by the goalkeeper. But again, it's a great opportunity. And I think if Fulham scored this right here, Mike, and I said this on full time, I, th- I think they might even win 4 0 because I, th- I think they would have built upon this. Not scoring the goal there, then I think just set the stage for what was to happen after that. Just a couple minutes later, you have the goal from Byers that started off of a set piece. And uh, after that, we're obviously going to change the formation. But let's talk about the, I guess you could say, missed opportunity from Fulham. And then you have the goal from Swansea City, which then makes it for this uh, grandstand finish, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it was a, I thought it was a cagey first 10, 10 12 minutes. And uh, after the half, um, seeing if either team had changed something. But, uh, but yeah, we had a chance to make it 3-0. Didn't, didn't do it. And uh, I gave Swansea a little. They had a couple of chances before they scored. Um, the goal we were talking about, I, I said about Rodek. Um, I know a couple of people feel he should have come for it. I thought it was a very good header down, you're taught. To head the ball down, and uh, that's what their that's what their player did. And uh, Rodek got a hand to it. Maybe could have done a bit better, but you know it was uh, given what he'd done before in the game. You know he did. I thought he did the best he could. Um, but yeah, it was a pretty up until that goal. First 15, 20 minutes after the half, it was a fairly even game. And uh, like I say, if we'd got a third, I think. Um, yeah, we could, we could have seen like 4-1, four, four, something like that by the end of the game. And instead, we let them back into it and that gives them a real boost. And, uh, you know, we didn't create another chance. Nope. And um, we we made the changes, gave up gave up time. And, you know, they are the home side. They are challenging for promotion. Um, and we did well to see the game out, I thought, in the end. But, uh, yeah, they scored... And then he made the changes, and uh, yeah, they had, I think they had a chance, a chance or two, pretty much soon after, for about five yeah. minutes after the goal. And um, you know, you're thinking, oh Christ, you know, because I think if they had scored then, with the changes that he he'd made or was about to make, uh, we would have struggled to get back into the game because uh, the momentum was all with right. Swansea. So, uh, so yeah, uh, 65 minutes, two-one. Yeah, we're we're holding on. Right, and that's a good way to put it, Mike. And Giannis, back over to you, because that's why I wanted to talk about the opportunity from Cavallero, because there wasn't another one after that. And then, of course, the goal, which changed everything from Swansea City. And uh, we've already talked about this, the change of formation, how Fulham set up to end the match. But when you look at it, just in this match with everything going on with Swansea City, I guess I should be just praising Fulham more because they did see the match out. I, I After they scored the goal, I just want to get your view on the end of the match for Fulham. Well, we did see the match out, but Cavalier has got to finish that. And I don't think, I think we've been very lucky this year that Mitro is in the form that he is. Because if he, has, if he starts... Uh, I was reading an article last night about um, Diego Costa. Diego Costa's having a really torrid time at Atletico Madrid. Now he's a lot older, don't get me wrong. But right. He, just, he can't score for a leg runner. He's, not, he's, um, he's really badly out of sorts. And, and two of the last three games, he's actually been benched. 
And all strikers go through a dip in form. You know, it's just the way it is. You do, and you need the rubber, the green. But what happens if, for example, Mitro ran into a bad bat of form and he just wasn't scoring, he was missing sitters? We need people to step up. He's not always going to be scoring goals all year. So back to Cavallero, he really needs to finish that. 3 nothing. the game is over. Right. And you just it's like a James Bond movie. You're just giving them another chance to survive. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and when, when the goal goes in, you're thinking, oh, here we go again. Here we go again. It's, um, we have to be, I think, a lot more clinical. Um, two nothing up, go for the third goal. It's, it's, they're not coming back to three nothing. Right. But um, for as long as it's two nothing, you score on the last ten minutes. You give a team suddenly, you give them life. And um, exactly. This really, I think we're doing the right to be two goals up and comfortable for the rest of the game. And it just made it a little bit more difficult than they needed to be. So. Our strikers have to finish a chance. It's not just down to Mitro. Uh, you know, other other players really have to chip in with goals. I think I don't know how many cover year has scored so far this year, but really we need to get some more production so that at least we take some of the stress off Mitro in case he does run into a fall. We've got a lot of games coming up, including the you know, Christmas New Year break, and then now we know we've got Villa in the FA Cup. We've got some big games coming up. We do. And, you know, um, it, it's, it is a team game, and I think um, the strikers maybe need to, to be a little bit more productive. Okay, excellent. All right, guys, quickly, let's talk about the full-time stats because I want to spend some time talking about Man of the Match because I find that interesting. It's a great way to end the show. So let's look at these stats and possession, 53% to 47% for Fulham. Total shots were in favor of Swansea City, 18 to 10. On target, 7 to 4 in favor of Swansea City. And then we look at crosses, I believe it was 26 to 19. And then if we look at a stat that I always look at, which I think is a key stat for Fulham, it's passing accuracy, 86% for Fulham, 82% for Swansea City. And if we look a, bit, a little bit further in, we look at fouls, and I believe it's 16 to 12 for Fulham. And Max, I'll go to you. We, we've already talked about the full-time stats. What stands out to you just a couple of days later? I think just the sheer amount of shots, you know, Swansea had, that's the big thing for me. They really peppered a goal, and Rodak, for the most part, stood strong. This is not a match. We necessarily dominated possession only 53-47, and they had more shots. So, in many ways, not a classic Fulham performance, but I'll take this any day of the week as long as we get the three points. So, again, we, we kind of joked about this when we were losing matches but dominating. You know, wouldn't it be nice to go somewhere and not actually dominate but still get the win? Yeah. In the past couple of weeks, last two away matches against Birmingham and Swansea, that's been the reality. Sure. That's actually a very interesting point there. Mike, over to you. It's funny. Whenever I read passing accuracy on this show, I think of you right away because we've had so many conversations about that. So I'm not sure if that's where you want to go with the full-time stats. What stands out to you? Yeah, I've, I've been keeping a check on the uh, stats, on the possession stuff. And uh, we were, what was it, 53, wasn't it? And, 53%. Um, yeah, and which is quite low for us, um, but it's it's below what I consider now our sort of optimum um, possession that we need when we're going to win a game. So if we have the oddly enough, if we have the ball too much, we lose. So <laughs> it's, it's it's not a bad it's not a bad thing. So um, and away from home, it's a, it's a good stat for us. Okay. The main one for me was the shots. I mean, yes. we had we had. We had ten, okay, and we and we got two, but we really need to be 
somewhere in that sort of 13 and 14 range. It is a percentage game, a lot of right. it. And, um, you know, and we allowed them far too many shots as well, which is why we're going to talk about the man in the match in a minute as well. Yes, we are. <laughs> um, but but we do need to, even away from home, just, just get some more shots in just to give us... Uh, the only way you score is, is by taking a shot. And I'm not talking about peppering it from 30 yards or everywhere, but... Just on average, we, we, yeah, just on average, we need to be just doing that, just producing that two or three more, just to give us another chance of a, another chance of a goal. Because we're going to face teams who who will get that second goal, which Swansea failed to do, and uh, and we're going to struggle if we don't if we don't get them in. Okay, excellent, Mr. Janaeus, over to you. The full time stats. What stands out to you? Uh, I well. No, it's, I'm going to still stay the final score 2-1 I think yeah. it, it, I think if we're going to finish in the top two at the very least get into a playoff spot it's going to be the games like Swansea that we're going to need to win not the ones where we're totally dominant and, and in terms of possessional part, you know, passing accuracy or number of passes we're going to as the weather deteriorates and the, and the field started getting heavier we're going to have more scrappy games like Friday Friday night Although it seems to be the, the trend right now, we we've, we're getting very very good results on a Friday night, which is which is a very good thing. But I think that um, they're going to be teams that are going to be we're going to play teams at the bottom who are absolutely desperate for points. We're going to play teams at the top who are going to be absolutely desperate for points, and they're going to be a lot of scrappy games. So uh, I think, of, for example, Preston the week on Tuesday, I think that's going to be a, a, a cracking game. But I think it's yeah. going to be tough. It's a tough place to play, and their physical side. But um, at the end of the day, if you score more goals in the opposition, that's really all it's, you know, we've moaned enough at times about when we've got incredible possession, you know, we get nothing out of it. And uh, it was a scrap. It wasn't our best performance this season. It, um, it won't be our worst. But we got the job done and we got the three points and, and left a difficult a difficult venue against a difficult team and, and yep. um, maintained our third position. Okay, excellent. All right, guys, we are going to end by talking about man of the match, and we're going to have a little bit of a discussion about something very interesting in regards to the goalkeeper. But let's just start off with talking about who's your man of the match. Before I do that, I just want to share a poll I did a few days ago because I was curious what the Fulham supporters thought. So I put this on the Cottage Talk Twitter page. I had a good amount of votes. I had 408 votes. I only gave two options. Obviously, there could have been other options, but I thought these were the two best options. So I had Alexander Mitrovic and Marek Rodak as the two options. Out of all those votes, Alexander Mitrovic got 24%. Marek Rodak got 76%. He was my man of the match. That's what, where I went. Giannis, I think you already mentioned to me off air that, that he was your man of the match. So obviously you agree with the poll. I've I thought about it since I'm a little bit, and I, and I... I think, and I've watched the game a couple of times over since. Okay. And I've got a slightly different opinion. I thought Rodek was outstanding. Um, I, 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 I thought he was outstanding. I mean, you know, um, Mitro, you know, he was brilliant. But I I really like Dennis Adoy's performance on Friday. I, I just, I, I watch what he does in terms of, he's able to do all sorts of things. And again, he's not the quickest, the biggest, the strongest. But, um, I liked his discipline on Friday night. I thought he was physical when he needed to be. 
I'm not totally convinced right now with Tim Ream at the back. I, I think he's actually, I actually think he's played too much football this year. Uh, I think, you know, with the, traveling with the U.S. national team, and blah, blah, blah. Alfie Mawson is still not quite at 100% because he missed so much time last year. But uh, the constant seems to be a doy. Wherever you put him in the field, he's dependable. And I thought he had another dependable um, performance. Maybe it's a bit harsh on though, that. Okay. You know, he made some outstanding saves, but Adoy is one of these players. I got a feeling if it's not already that down the line, a few years down the line, we're going to be looking back and going, "Oh my God, he's, he was he was one of our legends." I think I just he's you know it's been four years he's been with us now. I think four years now, four years, and he doesn't he he rarely lets you down. You know he he gives it if he's on the bench he won't sulk. If he's put in centre back he just doesn't sulk. He's played every position at the back, and uh, I thought he was very dependable on Friday night. So I'm gonna. Maybe against the runner play. I did think Rodak, but when I saw it a couple of times, I was really impressed with what Adoy did. Um, and I, I think I'll give, I'm going to give it to him. Fair play there, Giannis. And what's interesting about Dennis Adoy, best word that comes to my mind, professional. He just does his job. Yeah. I can relate to that here where I live. And that's the type of player he is. Different player I'm going to mention as comparable, just the way that he played. I'm not saying he's at the level, but... Chris Baird played many positions and just did his job too. And yeah, I think Dennis Adoy does the same thing, different position, just does his job. And you need players like that. You don't need a flashy player. You just need someone that's going to be someone you can count on. I think you can count on, especially in the championship, Dennis Adoy. So I understand why you went there. Max, you and I talked about him full-time. You gave it to Mitro. Are you sticking with that? I really have to. Uh, I can understand the arguments for Rodak. I think the arguments for Adore are a little, a little less valid, but I can see that too. But yeah. I have to say Mitro. I mean, nine goal, ten goals in his last nine matches or something like that. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous the type of production this guy has for club and country. And just being in the right place at the right time for that first header and the second goal, I mentioned the composure and the finishing ability. I just can't even describe how lucky we are to have him in this team. He's so clearly above championship quality and he's he's our most valuable player he's my man of the match because without him i don't see any other player on the pitch scoring those goals honestly okay excellent mike over to you i think you already mentioned that your man of the match is my man of the match which is merrick rodak your thoughts uh, yeah i'm gonna go with rodak I, I will comment on mitrovic and go ahead. say that having spoken to some people who are at the game um they they've all gone for mitrovic because the as we know, when you watch a game on TV, you don't see the whole pitch, and you see a lot of running off outside of the, the screen. And they were just saying that Mitrovic was literally all over the place, uh, covering players and uh, just working so hard off screen, if you like. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go with Rodek. He made the early saves, um, which uh, allowed us to uh, be able to, to score and uh, take the lead when uh, other times we would have been down already. And then also uh, at the end of the game, when we were under the cosh, he was calm and uh, did his job. And um, yeah, for me, that was a game where the keeper kept you in it. Um, While Mitrovic's finishes were great, um, always going to give it to the goalkeeper in that situation. So so Rodet for me, uh, absolutely bang on as a man of the match. Okay, and I agree with that, Mike. I thought that his performance, you can look at it two ways, and I said this on full time. 
Mitro's banging in the goals, which is great, but you need someone to stop the shots, and that's what Marek Rodak did. And uh, for me, that's why he's man of the match. But that's also going to lead us to talk about something that I've noticed, Mike, you were tweeting out about this, and it wasn't just you, it was others as well. I want to mention a good friend of mine, Roger Lewis, was talking about this as well, that if your goalkeeper is your man of the match, paraphrasing, maybe that shows that there's an issue there defensively. He shouldn't be your man of the match was the feeling I was getting because there's maybe something wrong with the defense. So, Mike, I want to go to you because you were actually tweeted this out, I think, the next day. Just basically, just keep this in mind. If your goalkeeper is the man of the match, should you be concerned that there's an issue there defensively? And then Giannis brought up a good point about Tim Ream. Maybe he's played a lot of minutes. And uh, so what are your thoughts about the fact that a goalkeeper is your man of the match, that maybe there's a bigger issue that we need to talk about? Yeah, I mean, I think some people, I had a couple of criticisms aimed at me as well on that. You know, it's, uh, you know, we won, you should be happy. And like, well, I am happy, absolutely happy that we won and, and always am. But you you have to look at the game and, and look at the other games overall. And, you know, when they say if you, if you don't, if you don't have a moan about the ref or anything after the game, then the refs had a good game. That's right. Not know. Okay. So that rule for me is the same as a goalkeeper. So if the goalkeeper leaves and at the end of the game, if you're not really talking about your goalkeeper, uh, then he's done his job um, along with the defense usually right. as well. But, uh, you know, but for a keeper to be man of the match, which is what I've given him, He's had to make some saves, which means we've allowed the opposition to have shots or, or chances on goal. And yes, we've won the game 2-1, but overall, Swansea could have, could have scored more and won. Sure. Um, if every shot had gone in for both sides, Swansea would have won. And so we are. when you look at the shots against us, it's not exceedingly high. You know, I mean, it's in the right sort of area. There are quality Probably. shots. Yeah, uh, you know, but we we need to be tighter. If we have ambitions of being in the top two, then even when we're playing a team like Swansea, challenging, we need to keep them down from 18 shots and seven on target as well. So that that was the issue I was trying to raise, right. really, is, you know, for for the couple of clean sheets we've had recently, for the... For the, for the better defensive performances that we have given, that's great. And I think Rodek is looking an upgrade on Bettinelli, certainly at the moment. Um, but we're letting in too many shots. So that was the kind of comment I was making. Where can we improve? Because you want to improve all the time. Absolutely. And for me, it's, it's just reducing the amount of chances that we're going to give to other teams. So it's, it's being a bit tighter, being less sloppy. And, um, you know, he's changed the formation. He's got Kenny deeper now and Johansson playing. So you could argue that, you know, defensively we're a little bit weaker, even, you know, even if you put McDonald in there. So, and we've got attacking players, so you're going to give those kind of chances up. But uh, it's just, it was just a, a point I was raising. We need sure. to reduce the shots on target. And, yeah, I think in football, if your goalkeeper's man of the match, then... 
great. He's a good goalkeeper, but you shouldn't be letting the shots in. Very interesting there. Giannis, what are your thoughts on what Mike brought here? And again, to end the show talking about if your goalkeeper is man of the match, maybe there's an issue there. Yeah, and it may not even be. I mean, I mentioned about um, Tim Ream. We've had some injuries. Obviously, Joe Bryan, you know, had an, you know, was out for a little bit. Um, you know, to turn around the right back position. I always like to look at the midfield and how we're looking in terms of the shape of the midfield and whether we're covering defensively. You know, it's not just about the, the back four. I don't, I mean, I'm curious to see how Michael, you know, Hector comes in in January and how he fits into the back four right. and where he goes. You know, uh, he's probably going to be an upgrade, but at whose expense? Now, that would be that would be very interesting. But, um, you know, I think the centre midfield is where I think we need to take a little look here defensively we're doing enough there. And I'm not, I'm not so sure, you know, the defenders can do so much, but are the midfielders tracking runs necessarily? And I, I'm not so convinced. If you do have Steph Joe, you know, you know, playing deeper with Kearney, you know, it does leave a hole. And uh, against a really, against really quick strikers, it, it, it's, it's, it's problematic. So I'm not, I'm not, I think if I'm going to point the finger anywhere, you know, I don't, I don't think we're, I don't think we're playing at full capacity at the back, and I, you know, obviously mentioned Tim Ream, but I think the centre of the midfield is a question mark, and maybe that's where Scotty thought Josh and Omer would, would fill a, a role like. Interesting. And it's funny, because I read it somewhere the other day that Angisa, <laughs> Angisa, is having an absolute, the incredible season down in Spain and um, getting rave reviews. Is he is he a guy? Is he we could have used guy? him. <laughs> well, I mean, if he if he's the you know if is he the sort of I mean, is he the sort of guy like the you know the Dixon the two who you know who can you know play that defensive holding midfielder role and play as an umbrella for the front for the back four. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but yeah. And sometimes a change in vibe. Look at Kieran Trippier. Yeah. Down Atletico's getting rave reviews as well. So um, I, in the transfer deadline, I'd be curious to see if Tony Khan looks at that and see if there's a, you know, is there a holding central midfield? I just like the, I just like the protection of having somebody in front um, that can, you know, track the runs from the middle. Sure. Um, having said that, I mean, Rodex is a goalkeeper and that's what his job is, right? Right. Put the ball going in the net. <laughs> so <laughs> great that he's made the saves, and so he's doing his job. But I'm sure Scotty will be a little concerned at the manner, the manner of some of the shots that got right. off. They shouldn't do at this level. Valid point by Mike. I'm glad that again he was talking about this on Twitter, and we're talking about it here. Max, I'm going to give you final word on this discussion, talking about goalkeeper being your man of the match, and maybe that leads to a discussion about an issue that Fulmer having defensively. We could talk about the defense, but Giannis actually just drew on the midfield as well. So what are your thoughts about all this? You know, I don't want to get too into it. I think it's a big uh, – I think we're making way too much out of this. It's a one match away at Swansea City who were in the in the top six. We gave up a lot of shots. I'm not overly bothered with that. We won the match, you know. They're going to be matches in the championship when you're under the cosh. And for me, it's even more impressive that we weathered the storm. So – Again, also, Rodak isn't my man in the match, but I do think having a goalkeeper play well isn't necessarily a bad thing. That's what he's there for. Okay, excellent. Fantastic show, guys. This was great. I'm glad that we could all get together to talk about this match. The match took place on Friday. It's Monday. 
but it's always good to still talk about it in full. And Mr. Greg, it's been a while. I, I want to just say thank you again for joining us tonight. You were fantastic as always. Yeah, cheers, Russ. Uh, enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, let's hope we can keep the run continuing later this week. Absolutely. Mr. Janaeus, best of luck to the Buffalo Bills. I'll leave you with that. Yes, playing well at the moment, nine and three, and uh, doing well. Good to hear from you, Mike. I think it's a long time since we've been on the show together. It's felt like like a hundred years, <laughs> Mr. Greg, okay. or a thousand years. <laughs> My counting's bad, but uh, no, yeah, a great show. And um, and I, I, you know what, City are next, and that's going to be a t- that's going to be a tough game. That's going to be a absolutely. Tough game They're a tough side, game. and they know how to play yeah. against Fall. Yeah, but, yeah, that's what worries me. But let's let's see if. Uh, the momentum of four wins in a row helps us out. I hope it does, Giannis. Max, as always, thank you for doing the show. You did full-time with me, and now we did the uh, post-match show. Thank you, my friend. Yeah, it's always a pleasure, but I really want to bring up one thing which I'm really concerned about. Um, and tonight was the was the Ballon d'Or ceremony, and I didn't see a Bubakar Kamara there at all, and I think that's just a disgrace. <laughs> okay, very funny there, Max. All right. Great show, guys. This was a great show, and listen, we have – some huge matches coming up for Fulham, and we're going to be covering them on Cottage Talk. But it is time to wrap up this episode of the show. So for Mike Gregg, Giannis Janais, Matt Cohen, I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you as always for listening to Cottage Talk. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. And all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping. And you steal the last nugget. Snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants. 18 plus. Serving times. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.